girls. Man, great job this morning. I've heard it said all my life that the young people, um, our youth, is the church of tomorrow. And I, I agree with that statement. It's right, but it's only half right. They are the church of tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. But they're also the church of today. And they're a part of the body of Christ today. They can be the hands and feet of Jesus today. God can use them right now. And so I want to thank you, young ladies, for being the hands and feet of Christ this morning, filling in for Scotty as they're out of town. You've done a great job, and I appreciate that. Um, it's amazing to me how music has the power to bring you back to where you were at a special time when you heard that song. It, that, that's always been the case for me, man. I can hear a, a, a song that maybe I hadn't heard in a while, and automatically it brings back to memory where I was at one specific time, something that was, that's special to you, you know. And, and that song, How Great Is Our God, uh, that's something that's, that brought a memory back this morning that uh, is special to me. Years ago, I guess it's been 10 or 12 years ago now, we went on a mission trip with a group of folks down to uh, the Mobile Bay, and we'd done a work there uh, for about a week with the International Seaman Center, and that's a ministry that's put on by the Mobile Baptist Association where all of those guys who come from all over the world uh, would come down and uh, or come through the, the harbor there, and when they did, um, the Seaman Center would go and pick them up, take them to the store if they needed to go buy supplies, let them do a, have a phone call if they needed to call home. And these folks come from all over the world into Mobile there, and, and it was just a great ministry uh, of reaching out um, in that community. And so we went down to help them do some work on their building um, and things one summer. And we got down there, we would work during the day on the building, and then at night, anybody who came into the harbor, they would bring them into the place there. If they were bringing them to get food or, or, or clothes, supplies, or make a phone call, they'd bring them in. And after they finished getting what they were going to get, uh, then we'd just share the gospel with them. And so the first night we were there, that Monday, um, they brought a, a group of guys in, and I guess there's five or six of them, and we was able to share the gospel with them there and. After doing so, the Holy Spirit of God moved, and three of those guys accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. That was amazing, man. It blessed my soul. We just had church right there in that little room. I'll never forget that. And so the next day, we're out there working at the, uh, at the Seaman Center, and the captain of the ship that those guys were on the night before called down and asked if we could come have service on the ship. And, uh, and I thought, man, that, that's amazing. Three of those guys that got saved went back and talked to their captain and said, we want to have service for everybody. And so that night we went out to the ship there and, and got on the, uh, the ship with those guys. There was about 35, 40 of them there. And whenever they started worship that night, they started with the song, How Great Is Our God, the song that we sang just a moment ago. And I'm telling you, those guys started singing um, praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 22 and 3 that he inhabits the praises of his people. If you believe that, say amen. <laughs> and that's what happened there during that time. I mean, it's just like the Holy Spirit of God anointed that place with his presence. And uh, I was able to preach that night by the power of the Holy Spirit, 17 guys accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And I truly saw how great God is. Every time I hear that song, that comes back to memory. And God's good, isn't he? He loves you this morning. He's able today to do for you what needs doing. God has never failed me. I've failed him a lot of times, but he's never failed me. I've never once regretted 
trusting in Jesus as my personal Savior. He is truly a great God worthy of our worship. Take your Bibles and look in Joshua chapter 5 this morning. We're going back to Joshua and we're going to continue a series of sermons entitled Claiming Canaan. Now when I'm talking about claiming Canaan, I'm talking about walking in the victory that has been purchased for you by the finished work of Jesus and promised to you by the person of Jesus. Now, why is that important? Well, when I say that this victory has been promised to you by the person of Jesus, that's important because when we understand who Jesus is, you know you can trust the promise. See, how many of you know Jesus was God before the beginning? (laughs) He is God right now. He will always be God. And we know, according to Scripture, he stepped out of heaven and became a man. God incarnate in the flesh. And while he was walking upon this earth, he said something to his followers then that still is true for his followers today. John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the Bible says, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But it says, I have come. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me ask you something. Who are the they's? Who are the they's? that he's speaking of there in John chapter 10 that he promised abundant life to. Well, it's the whosoever trusts in him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says shall be saved. So I want you to know, if you've placed your trust in Jesus as Savior, victory has been promised to you. Abundant life, eternal life has been promised unto you. If you believe it, say amen today. Now listen, if God says that God can't lie, Jesus being God promised that to you. Not only did he promise it to you, being God, but he purchased it for you through his finished work. Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sin at the cross, and now because of his shed blood, we can be forgiven, put in right standing with God the Father, and the Bible says we have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. So victory has been promised to you by the person of Jesus and purchased for you through the finished work of Jesus. Now it's time as the people of God that we start walking in the victory that we have. We sing about it. We talk about it. But we just got to start living it. Walking in it. How do we do that? Well, I'll tell you how we're going to learn how to do that. We got to look at our example. Our example comes from God's word in in the book of Joshua. Joshua is the book of victory. Joshua is written as an example for us in the New Testament of how God worked in, through, with, and on the people of faith in the Old Testament. See, Joshua is an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament victory that comes to the children of God. It's It's relevant for us right now, today. And so we need to see how they walked in victory so we can learn how to walk in victory. We need to see how they claimed Canaan so that we can possess our possessions, which is victory in Jesus today. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to start there, if you will, in verse number 13. Let's look together. Joshua chapter 5. Starting in the 13th verse. On everybody looking at their copy of the Word of God. Like I said last week, get God's Word in your hand so you can get it in your heart. Joshua 5.13 says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes, and he looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him, 
with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went out unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Everybody say captain. Now watch. He says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful for the victory that has been promised to the child of God and purchased for the child of God through you, Lord Jesus. We praise you for that. You alone are worthy of our honor, glory, and praise. You alone, uh, Lord, this morning deserve our worship. So Lord, we're asking right now that you would do your work among your people. Lord, I'm asking that you convict where conviction is needing, needed. I'm asking that you comfort where comfort is needed. You know what we need better than we know what we need. So I'm asking you now that you would do your work in this place among these people. I understand this morning nobody is here by accident, but all of us have come together according to your sovereign will. You have truth for us if we're ready to receive it. So ready our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this morning I want to entitle this message, Trusting God Brings Triumph. If you look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 30, again we, we've looked at Hebrews 11 a little bit and we talked about Rahab, but in the 30th verse of Hebrews chapter 11 it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. Now faith is just us trusting in God. If we're going to learn how to walk in the victory that God has promised to us and purchased for us, we have to learn to triumph through trusting. Amen? We've got to learn to trust the Lord in all He is and uh, because of what He can do. And this story tells us exactly how we can do that. Now, before we really get a hold of this truth, we've got to know a little bit about Jericho. There's three things that I want you to know about Jericho. First of all, it was a formidable city. What do I mean by that? Jericho in that day was one of, if not the biggest cities in the world. One of the most populated places on the earth at that time. It was also today the oldest known historical um, place where, where uh, people dwelled. It was in the land of Jericho. Very formidable city, but it's also a fortified city. Now, what do I mean by fortified city? Well, the walls of Jericho, as many of you know, are legendary. I mean, everybody uh, knows about the walls of Jericho from then until now. Now, why is that? Well, recent excavations of the ancient city of Jericho tell us that the walls of that city were about 17 feet high. And we learned from Rahab's story in Joshua chapter 2 that Rahab lived, her house was actually on the wall. So you've got walls that are 17 feet high and wide enough for someone to build a house on. And so this is a huge wall. It's a fortified place. It's a formidable place. But let me tell you something else. It's a full place. Now what's it full of? Well, it's full of men of war. I'm talking about men who like to fight and know how to fight. It kind of reminds me, if you remember five or six months ago, I started seeing on the news and also on social media where all of these folks were planning on meeting at Area 51. Do y'all remember that? And Area 51 for a long time has been thought to be the place that uh, the government keeps all the stuff they want to keep under wraps. They don't want us to know about. And so this group of folks are going to go and storm Area 51. And when I heard that, I thought, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't need to do that. 
Matter of fact, Brother Lee and Miss Paula was heading out that way, and I told them for the left, don't go to Area 51 because they planning on storming the place. That's not where you need to be. I, I want you to know, I, I found out a long time ago, you don't storm a place like that because, listen, you don't fight against people who know how to fight, who like to fight. About three or four years ago, I started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Let me tell you all that come to pass. Yeah, I've been a, an MMA fan for years. Uh, since the first UFC in 1993, man, I was hooked. I can remember watching it on VHS. And, and then every pay-per-view that come out, we, I would rent them. I love them. And I know a lot, a lot of people say, well, brother, that's just barbaric. They're out there trying to hurt one another. And I can't even see how you like that. Well, let me tell you something. The same people who say that are the same ones who will sit there in front of a television on Saturday and watch two or three 250-pound men that wait, run four or 540s run into one another. Right? Same folks that watch Dick Buckus play football say, well, they're out there trying to hurt. Well, if Dick Buckus wasn't trying to hurt somebody, I didn't watch the same Dick Buckus that you watched. Watch Ray Lewis play football. That brother was trying to hurt people. It was a sport, though, and, I, and that's why I like it. I, I enjoy it. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest. Pre-Jesus, I like to fight. Now, I didn't, I'm not saying I, mean, I was any good at fighting because I wouldn't, but I liked to. I didn't mind it. And so I was one of those guys throughout those years of watching the UFC, I was always thinking, I could do that. I mean, I'm on the couch, out of shape, didn't know what I was doing, but in my mind, I thought I was a whole lot tougher than what I was, and so I thought, I can do that. And then one day, I was taking my son to school, and he had grew up watching the fights with me, and, and we knew that jiu-jitsu was a discipline in the mixed, in martial arts that they use to fight in the cage with. And so when we're riding by, we see it on the sign, uh, jiu-jitsu classes. And, and he looked at me and he said, Dad, I want to try that. And so I called the instructor down at the class and, and, uh, and he said, yeah, man, bring him on down. We'll see what he, what he thinks about it. And so I took him down. He started loving it and I was taking him every Saturday. And, and then I started taking him a time or two during the week and he was really enjoying that. And every time I would go, the instructor would say, how about you staying with us? I said, nah, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do that. And he said, nah, stay with us. And so one Saturday morning, he talked me into it. And automatically, I was hooked. And so for the next two years, I was there every Saturday, and usually two or three times in the week. I was loving it, enjoying it. But let me tell you something I figured out real quick. Don't fight against people who know how to fight. It opened my eyes real fast. I got in there and got it handed to me. I've heard it said that jujitsu is the art of folding clothes with people in them. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me. The instructor, Jeremy Booth, good friend of mine, great guy. He, uh, we, we got in there training together, man, and what he lacked in size, he more than made up for in know-how. And he got me on that mat, and I'm telling you, wore me out. And that happened every time I got in there for about two years. Let me tell you why. I was trying to fight against people who knew how to fight. Now, he said, brother, what's all that got to do with us? Well, I'll tell you what it's got to do with this message and with all of us. Victory, listen to me, for the child of God don't come from fighting. It comes from faith. Victory in your walk with Jesus, listen to me now, comes from trusting in a God who can do what you can't do. 
If the nation of Israel goes up against Jericho, this fortified city that's full of men of war who like to fight, they're a bunch of ragtag slaves that have been in the wilderness for 40 years and they're going against men with weapons who know how to use them. They're going to be crushed in their own power. But listen, by the power of God, he can cause the walls to fall. By the power of God, he can give them the city. By the power of God, he can give them victory and allow them to claim what he has promised for them. And the same is true for us. Let me tell you why I'm sharing this message with you today. I'm sharing this message with you this morning because I believe all of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion have a Jericho in front of us I don't know what your Jericho is I know what mine is maybe an unhealthy body could be an unhappy marriage could be an unholy life hey listen it could be past failures that you just can't get over you know what I've come to find out it's, it's, I know that God has forgiven me. I understand that. I praise God for that. But what I have to do also is forgive myself. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do for things I've did in my past. Some of you may be dealing with that. Some of you may be dealing with unhealthy relationships that you know are not profitable and it's not, listen, don't bring you what you need. Some of you have addictions that are hindering your walk with Jesus and it's your Jericho that's keeping you from claiming what's rightfully yours as a child of God. You're struggling here and there and everywhere, everywhere you turn because of these things in your life, this Jericho in your life. Now, how many of you believe this morning that our God is able to tear down walls? Our God is able to give victory. And the same way he did it for these people, he can and will do it for us if we will look at the example ourselves. So watch what happens. The first thing that I want you to see here is the captain of our faith. This story is a story of faith, learning to trust in God so that we might gain the triumph, so that we might have the victory. Now look what happens, Joshua 5 verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Now, notice what's happening here. Joshua's out doing a little reconnaissance. He's looking at the city of Jericho because he knows God's told him to lead this children of Israel into the land of Canaan and take the city. And so he's out looking it over. He's looking at these walls. He's looking at the men of war there that's coming in and out of the city. And he's seeing for himself that, listen, except by the power of God, this ain't going to happen. Except from a supernatural work that only God can do, the city is not going to fall. He knows that. I believe that. We would do well to know it as that too. We, we, we never need to become so prideful that we don't think we need the Lord because how many of you know I need him? And you need him. And I want you to know, whatever you're going through, he's enough. He can help you overcome. But you've got to be willing to relinquish your will to his. You've got to be willing to walk by faith, to trust in him, to do what he says do. Look at verse 14. And he said, nay, this guy says, nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord? 
and his servant. I love this. The Bible says in the 16th verse right there that uh, this person identifies himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. Let me tell you who the captain of the host of heaven is. It's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what I'm trying to tell you, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus making an appearance in the Old Testament. Jesus is standing there with his man, standing before his people. And Joshua puts his eyes on Jesus. The Bible said he saw him. Everybody say saw him. He saw this man. He saw the Lord Jesus. And he asked a very important question. Listen to me now. He asked, are you on our side or are you for our adversaries? Now, the Lord really don't say here which side he's on. See, he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. <laughs> now, listen to me, folks. Joshua realizes this. He sees who he's speaking with. He sees who's there with him, and then he begins to trust him. To the point that he falls down on his face before him. The first step that you need to see in this is he saw Jesus for who he is, and that's what you've got to do as a child of God. How do you know Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords? How you believe this morning, like it says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, that in the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and with anything made that was made, unless it was made by Him. Jesus is described by John as the Word of God. So what John is saying is that Jesus was in the beginning, and He created all things. If you believe it, say amen. amen. He's God the Son, the second in the Holy Trinity. He was there at creation. And wasn't anything made unless it was made by him. Now, if Jesus can create the universe, what's too big for him? If Jesus can create everything, is there anything, anything in your life too big for him to handle? No, see him for who he is. But then not only you need to see who he is, you need to submit to his lordship. And that's what Joshua does. The Bible says that Joshua falls down before the Lord. What's he doing? He's submitting to the lordship of Christ. Child of God, let me ask you something. Have you submitted to the lordship of Jesus in every area of your life? Let me tell you what we sometimes do. We pick and choose what we want, to have, we want to let the Lord be over in our lives. God, you can have this area and this area and this area over here. But this area right here, I may not be doing exactly what you want me to do, but I want to keep this. I want to hold on to this hatred for someone else. I want to hold on to this ill feeling towards someone else. I want to hold on to this area that I know is not pleasing. I want to hold on to this addiction. I want to hold on to this problem. God, you can have everything else, but I'm going to hold on to this. And what's happening, Jericho still stands in front of you. Because you're not giving it all to the Lord. You're not letting him have his way and will in your life. You must submit 
to the Lordship of Jesus. Listen, um, J. Vernon McGee said something years ago that I love. He said that if, if, Lord, if Jesus is not Lord of all in your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. Let him have it all. Fall down before him and worship him just as Joshua did with his lips and with his life. See the captain of your faith. Submit to the lordship of the captain. Let him have his way. Let him have his will. Now let me, let, let's look at something else. Go to Joshua chapter 6. Not only do I want you to see the captain of our faith, but also see the compliance of our faith. Watch this. Joshua 6, 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I've given into thine hand Jericho. I've done it. I can and will give the victory. That's what he's saying to Joshua. Listen, that's what he says to us. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever wall in your life that is keeping you from being all God wants you to be and having all that God wants you to have, whatever it is, God can give victory. God will give victory to his children. But you've got to do it God's way. There has to be a compliance on your part, in doing what God says. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. What God says is not always going to make sense to everybody else. Let me say something. What God says is not always going to make sense to you. Part of walking by faith is trusting God to know what he's talking about. It may not sound like what's right to you, what you want, what your plan is. But if you know it's what God wants, walk by faith. Get in compliance. Watch. Watch this. This don't sound reasonable at all. Look, look at uh, verse number two. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do for six days. And seven priests shall bear the ark of the covenant, or the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when ye hear the great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall, down flat and all the people shall ascend up every man straight before him now let me say something to you that's not the way men fight is it I mean if you're going out to conquer a city especially a fortified formidable city full of men of war who have weapons know how to use them and like to use them that ain't the way you're going to take it that's the way you're going to do it as a man. But now listen, God says, this is how I want it done. It may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to him. And as long as it makes sense to him, you do it. Now, how does this apply to me and you? Well, let, let me say this. You, you, you cannot be a conqueror until you are conquered. Until you see who Jesus for who he is, submit to his lordship, and get in compliance with his will, you can't be a conqueror. You've got to be conquered yourself first. 
He's got to be leading, guiding, and directing. And when he does, he's going to ask you to do some things in your walk of faith that don't make a whole lot of sense to you sometimes or nobody else. I'm going to tell you something. When I came to Mount Zion, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Wasn't my plan. But I know this is where God wants me. I know that God has put me here for a reason. And I'm thankful that he has. But at the time, I didn't understand that. I just knew what God was telling me. There's going to be times like that in your life. When God says move, you got to move. When God says stay, you got to stay. stay. When God says jump, you say how high. Why? Because he's Lord. He's the captain of our faith. See, there's a lot of things, practically speaking, day by day, that we do as the children of God that other people don't understand. You know the Bible gives us a foolproof financial plan that works every time. But it don't make sense as to the way the world does things. Let me give you some scripture. Go to the book of Malachi with me. Malachi. And let's look down for just a moment. Chapter number 3, verse number 10. Watch this. God speaking to his people here through his prophet Malachi says, bring, all, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So what's God saying? God is saying, you give your tithe, you give unto me, and I'm going to give back to you more than you can even handle. So what's, what's, the, what's the, uh, the proclamation here? What, what's the promise God's making? God is saying to his people, you give so that I might give to you. Now the world, the world don't understand that. How can, you get, how can you get rich, have more than enough by giving away what you have? That don't make sense to the natural man, to the fleshly mind. <laughs> but that's what God says to do. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, 38. He said, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But it takes faith for us to, to do that. See, people that don't tithe don't understand tithing. Amen? But I promise you, you do it God's way and see how God gives you victory in your finances. People that don't follow the golden rule, don't understand the golden rule. But if we're going to walk by faith and get in compliance with what Jesus said, that's how we got to live. What, well, you said, brother, what's the golden rule? Do unto others, Jesus said, as you would have them do unto you. Amen? No, I know what the world's mindset is. I'm going to do unto others before they do unto me. I'm going to get them before they get me. If they say something, but we, most of us, for a lot, if we, listen to me, this is how the fleshly man thinks. We treat people like a mirror. If people are good to us, we'll be good to them. If people treat us with respect, we'll treat them with respect. Right? If people do us right, then we'll do them right. But that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, you do unto them as you would have them do unto you, regardless of what they do. That don't make sense to a fleshly man. 
But to a child of God who's in compliance with what God says, that makes perfect sense. Amen. Witnessing don't make sense to the fleshly man. How can the preaching of the gospel change hearts and change minds? Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read to you this verse. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. See, to the man that's perishing, to the man that's outside of the family of God, to the man who is dead in trespasses and sins, the preaching of the cross don't make any sense. It's foolishness to him. Watch what it says, though. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let me tell you why I want to preach the gospel. Because I know what the gospel's done for me. Let me tell you why I preach the gospel. Because Jesus said, I'm to go across the street and around the world sharing the gospel, baptizing new believers in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It may not make sense to everybody else. But I tell you what, if he told me to do it and I'm going to be in compliance with what he says, I need to do it. What I'm saying is, you cannot have victory. You cannot be a conqueror until you have been conquered. Some of you are struggling with certain areas in your life, and I know this because I struggle with certain areas in my life. We all in the same boat, and we all need the grace of God. I don't care what pulpit you preach in or what pew you sit in. We all need God's grace and God's mercy. I do too. And many times I struggle with certain areas in my life. I've got these walls of Jericho in my life that are keeping me from being what God wants me to be. And I keep praying, Lord, get on my side. Help me with this. Help me with that. Listen, it's time that we quit worrying about God getting on our side and we get on his side. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He's Lord of all. We've got to treat him like that if we're really going to have victory. In your walls of Jericho and in mine, trust him enough to walk by faith. Tony Evans says walking by faith is acting like God's telling the truth. <laughs> That's about the best definition I've heard of. That's good stuff. You need to see the captain of your faith and my faith. Our faith. We need to be in compliance in the faith. But now let me say something else. There needs to be a continuance in the faith. Watch this right here. Look down if you will. Joshua chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 6. Verse number 13, And the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually. Everybody say continually. Watch. And blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on, blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned to the camp. So did they six days. And remember, that's what God said. One time for six days you walk around the city. 
Verse 15, And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose about early the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. So they're doing just what the captain said to do continually. Everybody say continually. You've got to continually, with consistency, serve the Lord if you want victory. Consistency is key for you gaining victory in your life. Get consistent on serving Jesus. Continually serve Him. Love people on Sunday, yes but love people on Monday. Live for the Lord on Sunday, yes, but live for the Lord on Tuesday. Witness to people in the pulpit, but witness to people at your workplace. Teach the word of God in the class, but teach the word of God around the dinner table. Pray for God to move in church. Oh, but listen, pray over your family, pray over your home. Study the Word of God on Sunday. Fantastic. But let me tell you something else. Get serious and continually have that quiet time daily. Because God wants to speak to you tomorrow just like He wants to speak to you today. There needs to be a continuance in the faith of you doing what God says. There has to be consistency in your walk with the Lord if you really want victory. We gotta get consistent. Come to church with consistency, continually. Let me give you this a note: be the church. Be the church with consistency, continually. Come to the house of God. These four walls—that's good. Do that continually, but be the body the hands and feet of Jesus every day with consistency. Why was it? I mean, could God have done this without him walking around the city? Could, could he have done it without him doing all this stuff that don't make any sense to him? I, I think the same God who did it after the seventh time on the seventh day could have done it without him walking around once, don't you? So why is it that God would have them do it? I think there's a lot of reasons, but let me tell you. The first thing that I think is he wants to test their obedience. And God tests our obedience. He really does. Not because he don't know, but because we don't. How far are we going to go? Let that sink in just a minute. He tests our obedience by telling us what we should do and seeing how we do it or we don't do it, just like he did with them. Now, he had them walk around this thing every day, every day, and seven times on the seventh day. Why? Not only to test their obedience, but now listen, because of their observation. What were they observing every time they walked around? 
They're observing these legendary 17-foot walls that were thick enough for somebody to build a house on. And every time they walked around, they had to be thinking, there's no way this is going to happen in our power. God's trying to get them to a place where they see they can't do it. See, the problem is not that we're not strong enough sometimes. It's that we're not weak enough. I'm going to be honest. I've got a problem with pride. I can become very prideful. I don't like to ask for anybody's help in anything. I don't even like to ask for the Lord's help a lot of times. And so God has to continually show me just how big the walls are. And all the time, I keep walking around. I'm looking at those walls. And God is all, all the time, God keeps saying, trust me, follow me. With consistency, continually walk by faith. And that's something I'm growing in. They're observing how big the city is. They're observing all the warriors, I think, that were standing on the wall yelling at that bunch of ragtag slaves. See, what they were doing didn't make any sense to the people in Jericho either, but they kept doing it. You know, you come to church on Sunday, it don't make, a, make any sense to a lot of people. There's a lot of other things they had rather be doing, and they don't see why you don't want to do them, but don't make any sense to them. There's a lot of people who don't understand why you tithe or why you witness or why you love people and do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. They don't understand how you can be peaceful and calm and kind, joyful, even when others aren't. They don't understand that. And they say things like, man, if that was me, I'd just give them a piece of my mind. And they don't know why you won't do it. And let me tell you why you won't do it. It's because Jesus said you got to love those folks. In spite of you and in spite of them. I heard a story one time about a man got bit by a rabid dog. And got a good case of the rabies. He went to his doctor and he said, Doctor, I don't know what's happening. I'm arrogant. I'm angry. And every now and then I foam at the mouth. And the doctor said, Have you been bit by anything? He said, Yeah, I was bit by my dog. So he'd run some tests, came back and said, You've got rabies. And so the man automatically picked up a notepad from the doctor's table there and a pen and started writing on it. And the doctor looked at him and said, Sir, there's, there's no sense in you writing your last will and testament. We've got a cure for rabies. I mean, I'll just give you a shot and you can go on home today. And he said, Oh, doctor, I'm not writing my last will and testament. I'm making a list of folks I'm going to bite. <laughs> It's not going to make sense a lot of times for you to love people like Jesus loves people. Especially when they do you wrong, when they say bad things about you. But if we walk by faith in compliance with God's will Amen. as the captain of our salvation so that we might have victory, that's what we got to do. Amen? And other things as well. Let's stand together. Some folks don't walk in victory. They're not conquering because they've never been conquered. You've not laid it all down before the Lord and said, God, here it is. It's yours. See, that's what really what Joshua was doing. Before Jesus 
came on the scene and Joshua fell down before him, it was Joshua's problem. But after he submitted to the lordship of the captain of the host of the Lord, it was no longer Joshua's problem, now it's Jesus' problem. Amen? Now it's up to the Lord whether or not they conquer the city. You know what I've come to find out? I lay Mount Zion Baptist Church before the Lord about every day. I say, God, this is too big for me. We've got problems here, here, and here. I can't fix them. It's too big for me, so I'm laying it down before you. I lay my kids down before the Lord every day. God, you know what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind. You know them better than I know them. You know what they need better than I know what they need. So, God, I'm asking you, here they are. Take them. I lay my marriage before the Lord every day. I lay my temptations before the Lord every day, and I say, God, here it is. I can't do it. I, this problem is too big. These walls are too big for me. So I trust in you. Then it becomes his problem. Then I can, I can lay down on my pillow at night and go to sleep because I know God's got me. See, I'm not just asking him to do it. I'm believing he's going to do it. Amen. That's what we all got to do. If you want to conquer, you've got to be conquered yourself. Maybe it's not that you're not strong enough. Maybe it's that you're not weak enough. Give it to the Lord today. Remember me telling you I've never once regretted serving Jesus? I haven't because he is truly my ever-present help in my time of need. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll be closing this service. I'm going to pray for you. We'll have a song of invitation. Lord, we love you. Do your work in this place, we pray. Without you doing the work, the work will never be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.